Hello, I'm Alessandro Miro and I'm 510. You don't need to slate. This is an advertisement. Just tell them about the show. What show? The one you do, you know, where you mess up every audition? I mess up audition? Yeah. How to make it in Hollywood when you're foreign AF? What's that? Your YouTube series. Ah, the one where I become movie star? Sure. Yes, okay. Uh, radio people, hello. Uh, subscribe to Almiro Studios channel on YouTube and watch How to Make It in Hollywood when you are foreign AF. That was so great. We're just going to need to take that again with no accent. The listeners might not be able to understand you otherwise. Why can't you just put subtitles? You no, know we're on the right. Just try British accent. How to make it in Hollywood when you are foreign AF, like, like... Yeah. I'm just gonna do it. Watch How to Make It in Hollywood when you are foreign AF on YouTube channel Almiro Studios. Don't forget to subscribe. And follow me on Instagram at foreign AF series. That's foreign AF series. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Furminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T. Capital W. Today, I finally, finally welcome Mr. Robin Dunn to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I say finally because Robin has been our most requested guest, hands down. Y'all been sliding into my DMs to ask for Robin since we launched the podcast early last year. I think there are a few reasons for this. One being that podcast fans love Sanctuary, still love Sanctuary, the groundbreaking sci-fi series whose cast included previous guests Amanda Tapping, Ryan Robbins, Agam Darshi, Chris Heyerdahl, who we still need to get in here, and Robin. Robin played Dr. Will Zimmerman, a forensic psychiatrist who is recruited by Amanda's character, Dr. Helen Magnus, to work for the Sanctuary Network. I, I can only talk about Sanctuary with that kind of like a shadow in my voice. Sanctuary fans first fell in love with Will, but when they got to know Robin through his convention and media appearances, they discovered that this actor was funny and charming, and they fell head over heels as my DMs would attest. Robin's charm and wit is one of the reasons he was a favorite fill-in guest on Fiona Forbes' talk show and why he was asked to co-host the biggest room in town, the Leo Awards Gala, with the aforementioned Ms. Amanda Tapping, with whom he also appeared in the hilarious romp Space Milkshake, which is another reason that you, he has rubber ducks tweeted at him on a regular basis. Y'all should check out Space Milkshake as well. Robin is also a busy screenwriter and director. He wrote and directed Archie and its sequel, Archie 2, which featured Michael J. Fox voicing a robot dog. And he directed and co-wrote and co-starred in Welcome to Nowhere, which featured friend of the podcast, Sarah fucking Canning. That's her official name. We determined that in her episode. Not sure if you knew that, Robin. 
Robin loves filmmaking so much that he even got married on the set of Welcome to Nowhere. Robin and his then fiance, now wife, Farah Viva, opted to throw their own wedding on the film set minutes after they wrapped on the fictional one. Recently, Robin's been racking up credits in the rom-com sphere, and he reunited with one of Sanctuary's showrunners, Damien Kindler, for October Faction, in which he plays a hapless deputy named Woody Markham. So today we're finally going to dig deep into the life and times and aesthetic of actor, director, writer, artist Robin Dunn. We're going to give him the full YVR screen scene podcast origin story treatment. And we're going to talk about Will and that Amanda Tapping person and figure out what makes him tick. Robin Dunn. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you very much. That was a, a very, very good, um, a wonderful intro. Well, I've been working on it for more than a year. You weren't kidding yeah. about <laughs> your uh, your podcast voice, yeah, it, which it, is uh, is quite impressive. And I also don't I don't know how much I believe that I'm the most requested guest, but it's very nice of you to say. You are the regardless. I'm not lying. I'm not. Well, maybe you know, white lies. People, you know. But anyway, I'm not here to feed your ego. Okay. I mean, I'm talking to the fan. I mean, granted, our our most requested like of people who've been on like people just want Amanda to be here all the time. Well, that's you know, of course. Yes. Um, and people mention Alex Ponovic all the time yes. because people mention him in the studio when they come and talk like he's everybody has an Alex story but you're <laughs> you've been the one of people like you got to get him in there he's so funny he's so funny <laughs> so you got to be fucking funny today, well yeah Robin. no pressure I yeah. guess no pressure but. I I do want to say before you continue yes um regular listeners to the podcast will know that uh we record pretty much in an alley uh right next to an organic grocery store here in beautiful Kitsilano and um the uh construction drivers get especially angry and we hear that in the podcast the sound bleeds and the and the beeping and honking I um, also don't I don't I, I don't know uh, the the backing up and the beeping I've never understood I don't know anybody who's been backed over by a truck going three miles an hour I think but it's a power thing though just for sound safety like first to, oh no I think it's just to be like look I can make this sound yes. and I want you to take notice but also so besides that there's also a uh, construction noise in the office block as well um, and uh, the construction sounds actually sound like farts uh, so I just want listeners to know, and Robins know it's not me. What type of and construction it. would they be doing? I don't know. Do we even want to know? I, I, mean. I don't know. But if you listen to the uh, Sarah fucking Canning episode and the Richard fucking Harmon episodes, frankly, there are those fart sounds in there. So I don't know what they're doing, but they only seem to record, or they only seem to create those sounds when I'm recording. Sure. So anyway. Blame, blame it on the construction. I'm so happy you're That's here. Fine. I'm I'm so happy to be here. I, I've I've I'm a fan of the show, and and we, we've we've. You're we've, just saying that because I called you charming. No, no, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm blushing, but you can't see it because it's a podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's lovely to be here, and and um, it, also just so many of my very dear friends um, have been sitting in this chair that I'm sitting in right now. Yeah, so the hit has been worn in by some it's, yes. pretty phenomenal butts. Yeah. So hearing that description, then um, that I, I mean, all the words that I said about you. Yes. When you hear that kind of description, how closely does that m reflect how you think of yourself? It, it's interesting, uh, you know. Uh, 
in this business, as as you know, you're you're constantly on this treadmill. You're you're doing stuff. You're always moving forward. Always trying to create. Always doing stuff and, and working on things and, and hoping, trying to put other things together. And and oh, it's you're, hustling. You're kind of in this hus- hustling zeitgeist. And uh, but you know, just to hear sort of like someone say hey and there was this and that and you kind of go oh yeah that was that and oh yeah there was oh, space milkshake guy oh, i love that movie and you kind of i always i always think that you know someday if i'm i'm lucky to, enough to get to be uh, an old person to look back on my life and you kind of would uh would just look back and and remember all these these great things but in in the moment you kind of just you're just just hustling getting trying to get things done and and trying to you know, on to the next, on to the next. It's it's a little bit of an on to the next kind of business. Yeah. Oh, um, but which is one of the joys of this podcast, though, because it's not about the next. No. It's about sitting it's in your story. Sitting and stewing. Yeah. It. Sitting yeah. and stewing. No, I get to be a little Barbara Walters, you know, so mm-hmm. or therapist kind of. So let's go back I in time. One. Let's get in the way back machine. Now, first, I love asking people, what is your time travel vehicle of choice? My time travel. Yeah, because we're gonna get in the choice. way back machine. So are we doing Bill and Ted's phone booth? Are we doing the TARDIS? Are no, we doing we gotta, the DeLorean? We, we gotta do the DeLorean. I mean, I know that I, it's probably a, a, an oft-heard answer that you get. It but is. The DeLorean is just. I mean, Doc. It's like, are you telling me you you, you built a, a a time machine out of a DeLorean? I mean, um, <sighs> yeah. And we'll uh, we should. Uh, at some point hopefully maybe speak about him because um, yeah as you were saying that I'm like that's really good I'm like wait a second you worked with him and his voice for a while of course you know it yes and and I must have been wild god you know I I'm not someone who gets um we're talking Stars. about Michael J. Fox, Michael J. Fox and yes, Archie. Yes, Archie. So, uh, just to catch up. So, uh, how it came about, and and sorry, we'll we'll jump around. We this can is go, what we're we gonna do. Back. Yeah, I'm. I'm. We're in a I fucking was... time machine. We're in a DeLorean. Yeah, we can we go can, wherever. We can, we can, we can, what, are, what are you talking about? I'm in a time time machine. Um, wh- how the Michael J. Fox thing came about. So I was I I wrote and directed this movie called Archie. It's about a robot dog who befriends a girl, and and you know they solve this thing, and it's it's a it's a it's a charming little. Um, a family kids movie, yeah. and while we were on the set, we were trying to figure out who we were going to get to do the voice oh. of the dog. We so had you we did had not so know. we were shooting the movie without knowing who it was, and we were going over who who could it be. And I I I I was born in 1976, okay. but really I came I really came of age in the 80s. Like '80s, or it was my time. I love '80s movies. I love '80s music. I yes. have that's my sensibility. It's so, the best decade. It is the best decade. The best I mean, decade. '80s on Sorry, '80s on. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, I, as I was that, that's sort of the place that I, I I I come from when I'm writing or directing or or creating. It's it it has this f- retro '80s feel to it, for better or for worse. Yeah. So. Uh, we were on the set anyway of Art, the first Archie movie, and uh, the lovely and and wonderfully talented and and very good friend of mine, Catherine Isabel, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, the star of the the first movie. And so we're we're sitting on the set. We're trying to think who is it? Like who should we uh, who should we get to do the voice? And we're trying to think of all these places. And then Katie walks up and she's just like, you know, this feels like a, a really good like throwback '80s movie. And you know who you should get. To do the voice is Michael J. Fox, and I just kind of that, that suggestion just hit me, and I was like, "Yes!" I mean, 
what a wonderful suggestion, but who knows if it could possibly happen. Yeah. And uh, and so we made some calls and, and we got them. Wow. And again, like I'm not someone, I, I'm always, I, I'm very uh, impressed and respectful of, of people who I, I admire and, and, but I, I don't tend to be someone who gets starstruck. But I remember we, we recorded uh, Michael in in New York. We went to New York um, and recorded with him there. Uh, and I remember being in the recording studio waiting for him. And he came in and I just had this uh, this moment of like, oh my God, it's like, it's, it's, it's Marty McFly. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, uh, I know a lot of people have probably different um, connections to Michael J. Fox. Some people, I mean, I watched um, Family, Family Ties, Ties and, yeah. and obviously Teen Wolf, and there's a lot of uh, secret of my success. But yeah. really, for me, it's just standing there with with Marty McFly is just it was it was mind blowing. And then you know he gets in the booth, and first of all, he's just a, such a lovely man. Yeah. Um, and look, this is this was a gig where. It's it's conceivable that you know you hire an actor and he's like, look, I'm going to come in and do this job and let's just get it done and and move on with all of us move on with our lives. Michael came in and he 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 you could tell he really had broken down the script and he he wanted to sit down first and be like, okay, so this is a robot dog and like I, he was like I I. I I went over different ways of doing it and what do you think? And and you could just tell he really threw himself into this and That makes my heart so happy. Yeah. And then and then he gets into the booth and nice and, Canadian boy. Yeah. And he also <laughs> he also said, like, I you know, I'm so happy when Canadians are doing well and yeah. um it, well, he did an episode of, of Corner Gas Animated as well. You know, Brent Butt has a very similar kind of story of going to New York to, yeah. reco- to record with Probably him. Probably that same studio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And the episode of, is like Brent is dreaming that My, Michael J. Fox is murdering him in different horrible ways. <laughs> so it's another one where it's like taking Michael and just put, I, I, we're calling him Michael. Yeah. I mean, you can call him Michael. I've never met him before, but I just love calling him Michael all of a sudden. Another funny uh, thing, just a little anecdote about Michael J. Fox is that, so we did the first one and, and, and then I had the wonderful opportunity of making a sequel. So... We go back to see uh, Michael. He's going to record the voice again, but he's he's got a very specific date, and we ha- we have a delivery date. So we got to get this thing done, and then we got to get Michael recorded, and then we got it's, it's there, there's a time crunch, uh, more so on the second one for some other reason, some reason I can't remember. But so I remember being in the editing suite. And we're sitting there, we're slogging because we I have to get this movie cut because I need to get the the cut to to Michael so he can look at it yeah. before we fly to New York the next morning and record. Wow, right? That's some kind of so, turnaround. So it's it's like two in the morning. I've I've been living in this editing suite uh, in Saskatchewan and we finally get the cut. I've got, it's like two in the morning and I got to get to the airport for 6 a.m. because I got to get to, like, it takes like 75 hours to get to Manhattan from Regina. It's ridiculous, <laughs> right? So. It's like a, it's like what, like a two and a half hour flight from Toronto or yeah, something? Yeah. No, from anywhere else in Canada, 75 it's a hassle. different yeah. connecting flights. So, uh, we finished the cut. I'm like, okay, thank God. I, I, I have to go back to the hotel and pack. I don't even have time to sleep. 
And uh, my editor, Tim Thurmeyer, wonderful editor, uh, who's who edited uh, both the Archies and Welcome to Nowhere and, and many, many, many things. He kind of looks at me before I'm just about to leave this suite, and he goes, um, "Should we talk about the temp music?" And I'm exhausted, and I'm like, "What about the temp music, Tim? It's temp music, you know. We're, you know, obviously. And for those people who don't know, when you cut a movie, mm. you haven't have you don't have the movie the m- music for your movie written yet. So you take mu- music from other movies and you put it in there just so it it seems like a movie with music in it. And then yeah. later you do you put your own music in after. So I'm kind of at like a little bit crispy. I'm at the end of my rope, and I'm like, "What, what do you mean, Tim? Like, what what about the temp music?" And he's like, "Well." it's about the whole finale and the whole chase and the plane and all this stuff. And I'm like, what about it, man? Like, I got to get to the airport. What are you talking about? And he goes, the music we put in there is from Back to the Future. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Because then I start realizing I can't show up in Manhattan the next day and show Michael a, a movie with music from one of his most famous performances in it he's gonna think i'm some kind of weird crazy fan or something right like it's how so did it end up there in the first well place. it just worked so well and and so anyway so then it's like oh you are you guys are weird crazy because i it's exactly i'm like yes i wanted to put it but then i you, had you this, don't want him to know i had this though. realization like no no we're gonna look like weirdos so then good for tim catching that though yeah we spend another hour changing it i think we put in i don't know avengers or something so then we go to new york we record with michael it goes really well and then just as we're wrapping up the session i said you know mike um i got a funny story to tell you uh you know and i tell him the whole thing about it's late and we're trying to get the cut to you and blah 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 and we had this temp music in and before i finished he goes you put Back to the Future in, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> we did. And then, and then he kind of start, started riffing. He was like, you know what would have been funny is if you started putting like, you know, all of like Teen Wolf and like, you know, um, Stuart Little and just like all of his movies, yeah. like just, you know. But The theme song for, for Family for Ties. For Family Ties and, 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 um, and Homeward Bound. Like he, wow, you know, so, yeah. yeah some, some of the more obscure ones. So, yeah, I know. Uh, wonderful guy. Anyway, I told you, Sabrina, I'm going to go off on tangents. So you got to steer me back. I love it. I no, why would I want to do okay, that? Right. I, le- I like where you're taking us. Right. However, okay. we are going to go back to the 80s. That's where we're going right now. I like it. Uh, because, I mean, we are literally sitting here in a room where I have kind of a, like an altar to my childhood. I got yes. my Gem doll and my Shiras and my Smurfs and... Yep. And various Star Wars and X Men, yep. like it was, it was the best decade. It was formative. It informs the work that I do now. I feel, uh, I mean, your your Star Wars might be a little bit underrepresented here. There, there's very heavy, heavy veering towards the Trek side. Yeah, which in is here, fine. but like out on the out on the floor. Oh, you didn't right. see. I have um uh uh. uh Le- uh, Princess Leia as um, as the mother of Christ on the wall, and oh, uh, wow. I have a steampunk at at. And, <gasps> uh, I have the I have yeah. the at at uh, like the original like it's like a it's like a little horse. It's amazing. Oh toy. yeah, I amazing saw those toy. at Toy Traders. Yeah, and uh, you know when we are super duper in the money here, I want to get like a the life size stormtrooper for the oh yeah. for the floor. So, but definitely in here the truck is more um, represented. Yep. But you know that the 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 shows that I was watching at the time, the series, like those really 
prepared me for for this work you know it it is one of the reasons that I do what I love and that's one of the things that I get through this question is to find out where the heck you guys come from and how your childhoods kind of inform the the rest of the work so take me back to the 80s I want to know who you were and what you were like when you were just the same age as my kid when you were nine years old who were you and where where are we so nine years old, um, I grew up in Etobicoke, which is a suburb of Toronto. Uh, it's actually it is Toronto now. It's Toronto. Now. It's, it's all it's, uh, Toronto. It's the now. GTA. Yeah. yeah. But uh, when I when I was back back in my day, uh, back it in was, my day, it was uh, it was uh, heavy suburbs. Yeah. And I I think one one of my very str- uh, strongest memories. And I think uh, probably informs a lot of, of the path that I took in my life um, is I remember. So my dad owned a pub. Oh. He, he owned an Irish pub. My parents owned an Irish pub. Still there. Still in in in, um, in Etobicoke. Um, oh, that's why people on, tweet Guinness stuff at you all the time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There, yeah. Those, those, there was also you know all those parties I had at. at <laughs> 816, which we'll talk about maybe in a different podcast. Uh, but so my dad, um, and I think there's a statute of limitations on piracy, so I think I'm, I don't think I'm outing him here. But the, a guy, my dad said a guy came into the pub one day and he said, look, I have this bootleg copy of a movie called Return of the Jedi. And... I think my dad knew somebody who could make copies of tapes. I mean, we're talking about like these are beta, okay? Beta tape, not even VHS. Whoa. So this guy said like he wanted to make a copy of this for his kid and then my my dad said, "Do you do you mind if I make one for my son?" And he said, "No." So my dad came home and this would have been 83. Yeah. So I was younger. I was seven uh my dad came home with with a copy of return of the jedi and i i I, i'm not exaggerating i watched that movie every single day until like i I think it was like over 150 times like the tape must have snapped or something at some point disintegrated yeah um Oh my god! And then that had you seen the the other two films? I did. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was a big fan. Now, the first one, obviously, I was too young to see, uh, like in its original theat- theatrical, because that was seventy seven. So it was I was wasn't even one yet, but uh, it just had such a profound impact on me. The, the, those three first three movies, and again, yeah. I know that that's probably. A, a very common thing with with many many millions of people but you know that speaks to just the, the brilliance of of those movies and that that kind of set me off on this obsession with movies that there, there was a a video store called video zone oh, i miss video stores. i know and and i would get on my bike and i would ride like the six blocks through the the suburbs endless suburbs of etobicoke and i would 
go to the video store and, and every single day and I would, you know, you remember like they used to have, you're too young maybe, but you remember the, like they used to have the, the Velcro if it was in, so they had the box and then they had the Velcro thing and so you'd go in and- I love that you think I'm too young, I'm 40. Like I, I, I went to Jumbo Video in Newmarket. Jumbo Video, yeah. we had a Jumbo Video. With the elephant, yeah. I, re- I remember that and you're like, you, you go in and often you go in, you don't know what you're gonna get, but yes. it's that experience of- totally. And you know, um, seeing what's available, seeing what's recommended, seeing what's just come in, yeah. right? Yeah. Reserving. Oh, can you reserve? Like, uh, um, I, I think there's something. We live in this wonderful, wonderful time of uh, streaming platforms, and and literally, you're, with your computer right there, you can watch anything pretty much that's ever been made. Yeah, you can type it in and find it very easily, right? And and that's really I, I I'm very happy that we have we live we live in that world um, as as a consumer of of film and television and and media, and also as someone who works in it. I mean I'm very happy that the the world is kind of continues to open up and and there's so many avenues and platforms. It's a wonderful time, but there is one aspect of it that I find is. Uh, is is negative and mm-hmm. and it's it's this the idea it's just exactly what you said uh of of intentional the, the i have a I, I bought a record player recently oh and i i did too and there's something about yeah intentional listening you take a record or you take a dvd or you take a vhs tape mm-hmm. and you put it in the machine and you're like we're gonna watch this right now we're gonna watch fatal attraction and we're gonna sit and we're gonna watch it right something is lost when you can have anything you want at any time anywhere yeah uh now you now it's like we, we we we're so inundated with we we can have anything we want we don't know what we want. I I look mm, a lot of my yeah. my 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 Netflix continue watching for Robin and there's like so like so many things I've just watched five minutes of and you go nah, I don't know if I want to watch this and I'll change to something else and so I think I think there is like there's so many there are so many positive aspects to to the world that we live in in terms of media right now but I think something that we've lost is we don't even have to buy records anymore we yeah. we don't even ha- you don't even have to like you know p- pay your 99 cents for your the, the song that you want on on iTunes it's just like what anything you want like play anything you want and i think we've we've kind of lost that walking into a video store experience the and discovery. going this discovery yeah. and being like wow and picking up something that's tangible and going Look at this! It's Goonies. I, Goonies is in, and we're. I'm gonna go home, and I'm gonna put it in the VCR, and I'm gonna watch it, and then I'm gonna wait for it to rewind, oh, yeah, and I'm gonna watch it rewind. again. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's. I miss. I I miss the the custodians and the caretakers of the art as well. You know, going into a, a video store, uh, and and having people people recommend stuff to me that I wouldn't know yes. you know like having like I don't find that you know and like I love Netflix all hail Netflix my god like they've given me so, so many things that I love recently but th- that their their algorithm d- is no replacement for a person who you know who is working at a video store you know because they love films you know and they want to recommend stuff absolutely and I they miss s- that they say hey like, yeah. it's like the guy at the at the the record store who goes 
this man, dude, man, you gotta listen. This is album will change your That's life. That's every dude who's ever worked in a video yeah. store, and I and I miss that. But you know what? There there is a little bit of a. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say a renaissance, but I like the the lot. Like we even here in Vancouver, we have some video stores that are holding on, and they've been, you know like Black Dog, like they've um, yeah they they are so valued and so loved, and people are very protective of of them. I I feel like. In the same way that vinyl has come back and it's become this cool thing again, yeah. I feel like hopefully maybe the, the resurgence of of I don't know I don't I don't know what format it would be it would it would it be Blu-rays or would it would you go back to V I don't know I mean the other thing too yeah, is that got to be a way to bring it into the future though yeah you know? like be like all of those um like like a next level of the online film review, you know, like yeah. I, like where you, where you have people who are like recommending, and it's not just like new, it's like old stuff, you know, because that was the other thing, going through, like there's a lot of the old, old films that aren't making it onto the streaming platforms, you know, right. and it's like whole part of film, my film education was going to the video stores and, and renting stuff from, you know, the 50s and the 60s. Yeah. You know, I miss, I miss that too. So I'm going to, I am going to move you along. I'm going to, I'm going to wrangle you we've, like I wrangle we've, my we've cats. Got, we've gotten nowhere. We, we've gotten, we've. I don't know, like we've been romanticizing or, you know, yeah. like a, reminiscing and, and wishing for our, our lost, our lost, our lost, lost youth, youth yes. you know, in the Ontario suburbs. Yes. Jesus. So what did you want to be when you grew up? So you're watch like you watch Star Wars when you're seven, Return of the Jedi when you're seven. And did you, was that a moment where you're like, I want to do that? Like whatever that is. It, yeah. It, Tell it, me that story. It, it sounds kind of um, uh, flighty and fanciful, but it's, it's really actually true. I don't, rem I don't ever remember really making the decision hey i'm gonna i'm gonna be in this business it was just always something that seemed to be with me and yeah. and i don't i can't really explain it my my parents are not i mean they're very creative and funny and interesting people but they're not people who are at all connected with the, with the film or, or entertainment industry um did your dad want you to take over the pub like was that was that a no 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 um uh, no, it's it's funny actually. Uh, this is a story. I th I think I I think I told it actually. Uh, speaking of the Leos, I think I told this story at my. Uh, I think either when I was hosting or maybe when I got my Leo. Uh, I is did, that I your think. way of flexing that you won a Leo? Uh, no, I'm yeah, sorry, no, I, I, I know that sounded it. like that. It's that sounded like the humble maybe brag, didn't I, it? I won the Leo. Um, <laughs> God, which time? Which time was it? Which award was it? Wow, that he's I won? producing them from from his pocket. Let me just let me just go through the uh, my 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 trophy case and just remember which one. Uh, but no, because uh, so I, I I went to an arts high school called Etobicoke School of the Arts, which... I know. went to an arts high school called Univille High School for the Arts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we competed against you guys. Yeah, I know. I remember. I do yeah. remember Univille. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we were the original, though. We but. had Hayden Christensen, though, so... Oh, I remember. I worked yeah. with Hayden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, no, those those art schools were amazing. Um, so, yeah. I, so, I, I just... I wanted to be in this business. I knew I wanted to. I found this art school. I auditioned. I got in. Um, for acting? for acting yes and uh but also i was i was doing like wacky things there i i was like i was like the guy who was was cornering my drama teacher and saying hey um i i uh you know mr carner mr carner uh, okay so i i stayed up all weekend and and i i transcribed the entire script because this is before the internet you know you couldn't just download a pdf uh 
I transcribed the entire uh, script of Rebel Without a Cause. Oh I think God. we should do that as as our as our play. And it was like, okay, <laughs> I was so I was I was the guy who was like doing these wacky things. But just getting back to your question about wait, no, 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 hold on. Did you yeah. get to do that? Like, what was what was Mister Kerner? Carner? Mister Carner was like, I mean, I, we didn't actually specifically do that play, but we, you know, it, I was always like pitching them ideas and drama and, teachers are so. Um, so formative the impact that they've had oh yeah you know on this industry is is amazing but it requires a very special kind of person yes. to deal with like what you must have been like when you were 14 or yeah totally 15 years I mean old. I think I yeah. think I think what ended up happening is that they just steered me and they said no no we're gonna do our town and I was like okay you know I'll do our town so we did our town but um, I th- just getting back to my parents so I remember I mean, so I'm at this art school. I'm, 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 but I'm also starting to audition. And it, this is like in the early '90s mm-hmm. in Toronto when everything is shooting there. Yeah. Every single thing that was shot. I'm exaggerating, but everything that was shot in the nine in the early '90s seemed to be shooting in Toronto. Yeah, except for the X Files. Everything Ex- else was except in Toronto. for the <laughs> except for the X Files. That it's, math holds up, but just don't Google it. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> I was starting to audition and I was getting roles and then so I was like missing school. Yeah, you were like rich guy number one on one show. Yeah, and like, and, like and, and you know doing CBC had a, sh- a a doctor series called Side Effects that I was you know someone's son on and and it was fun and then but but there was a, there was a point I th- I can't remember if it, I think it was in like the first week of first day of uh, grade twelve I had a teacher who said. You know, just I just want to let the class know that you know if you miss more than three days, uh, not due to illness, um, you're going to fail this course. And I but remember you went si- to an arts high school. I know, I know, and I it was, I just remember it so well. Sitting there, the, the 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 clock is like three minutes after nine, first day of you know September of of, of school school year. And I put my hand up. I said, "Sir, you know, w- what if like we would get jobs and stuff?" And he's like, "Nope, nope, that's my sorry, that's just my policy." And I sat there for another 30 seconds and I just got my books and stood up and walked out. (laughs) And I went down to the parking lot. I had a a, a beaten up 1988 Ford Escort hatchback and with with, um, blue tiger furry seats, which is a different story. And uh, I'm not asking that story. Yeah, no, that's a a different (laughs) podcast. And I went home and- We have like two different podcasts. I know. That are are springing from this podcast. This episode. It's like, it's like parallel universes. Like yeah. there's two happening at the same time. Yeah. And I remember I, I drove home and my dad's still like sitting at the kitchen table in his house coat reading the Toronto Star. And he kind of looks at me and now it's like, you know, quarter, 20 minutes after nine. I just left. You know, he's like, what are you doing here? And I said, dad, I think I'm done with school. I think, um, I, you know, I told him the story about a thing, blah, 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 and, and how I want to be in the film industry and how they, they sort of are pressuring me not to do that. And. And I swear to God, my dad literally looked me right in the eye and he said, school? Fuck school. You know what you want to do. Like, why? I, he's like, I'm surprised you lasted this long. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so that was like, that was, now I, I, did end, I did end up taking correspondence courses and, and, and graduating, but I, uh, that was my last day of, of institutionalized education. Um, so yeah, that that was that was that was the support I had from my parents. My parents were like, Amazing. yeah, no, this is like you want to do this, you're doing it. Like, what do you, what? I don't, why are you sitting there 
Because they knew you. They knew who you were and what your personality was and that you were going to go for it. Wow. and I feel very lucky. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. feel very lucky to have. Uh, I, I not think all parents lot, are like that. I'm just imagining like saying that to to my mother and my immigrant father, and that's <laughs> no, I I would not. Yeah. So, and yet here we we both are. I, I'm pushing you through, okay? Because yeah. uh, this will be. I, I will be here till tomorrow morning yeah and like I I, I got some other stuff okay. to, right. to I'm gonna have to pee at some point like it's a whole thing I want to talk about um about your entry into into the Vancouver film and television industry like what drew you out here and like what was the what was your, what were some of your like earliest formative experiences so um I so I moved to uh, Los Angeles when I was uh so you did. You did. LA so I was. First. So I was. Uh, yes, I was in Toronto. I, I was in Toronto growing up, and then I went to LA, and then I came back to Toronto, and then I got a pilot, um, and the series got picked up. This was the. This was the Met, Met, uh, Cruel Intentions series that right. was supposed to happen, which ended up being Cruel Intentions two, which is an, again a third podcast that we should set set in motion here. <laughs> So that sh- that show got picked up, and it was shooting in L.A. So that moved me to L.A. I I don't know that I ever really would have. I I never had the intention of oh I have to go to L.A. Yeah. I, I was very happy to just be in, living in Toronto and working. What did you think of L.A. when you got there? It was it was very tough. It, it's a tough city. Uh, I I still have a. I mean I live there now, and I have I still have a. I don't want to say love hate hate might be too strong, but I have a love. And dislike relationship with LA. It's it's a tough city. I think the thing, the problem with with it is that, and for many people, myself included, is that y- you can't you can't go to LA and expect it to be Toronto or expect mm. it to be Vancouver or, or Chicago or wherever you come from. You've got to go to LA and accept it on its own terms. And and it's a tough town. It's a one industry town essentially. Uh, so yeah, I, I took some I took some hard knocks there, but but um, but I, I came to understand it and love it. But but I, I was brought there. So I, I found myself in L.A., and then that show got canceled. I went off to do a little bit on Dawson's Creek. Oh, and, yeah. and, and then I, and then I was kind of like I'd, I'd gotten my work papers and my green card, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm here now. So, oh, but, Were you happy? Like, what, was your, what were you seeking at that point? What I, was driving you? Well, it's interesting because I think it's taken me – it's taken me – almost 30 years to figure that out <laughs> i'm still we are old enough to say stuff like i know that? i know it's ridiculous um but i i think at the time i was like i'm gonna uh, i'm acting and, and i'm gonna be an actor and i'm gonna be that and i i i'm i i was lucky enough to do it and still do it and i love it but it took me some time to realize that it's that there's more to my desires and more to my pl- my my plan of you know, I, I, I like to create. I like to. I, I want to write movies. I've been able to do that. I want to direct. So, so uh, uh, there's a more holistic um, filling out of my career that I, I didn't have at that point. I was still finding it. Yeah, um, it was like re- revealing itself. It to was you. revealing, and then yeah. you know, the, like, and then when I first directed, I was like, oh my god, my my mind was blown. I was like, wow, this is this is an unbelievable experience. But not not to get off track. So. <laughs> So There's then, no track. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so then, so then I'm in LA, and then I have, but now I have to jump back to like five years before because Marty Wood, 
um, my my dear friend Martin Wood, direct, very accomplished uh, film director and, and television director and producer. Uh, I, I went to Romania, Bucharest, Romania, and did a movie with Marty, um, a, 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 a movie that we don't talk about much called Teenage Space Vampires. We uh, do not talk about that nearly enough. A classic, a classic. Teenage space. They're not just teenage. Yeah. They're not. They're, no, they're just and they're space? from space yeah. and they're vampires. Uh, they're trying to. They're, they're trying to accomplish a lot with that title. So anyway, Mar- so Martin and I, I, I knew Martin, and so now I'm in LA and I'm kind of working and stuff. And then I, well, I get this call from Marty Wood and he say, Hey, look, we're putting together this um, web series, right? And. I told uh, my partners in this venture that I think you should be the guy, and um, you know, can I send you? Can I send you a script? And I said, sure, but but I was like, and th- now this is like '06, yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't know, like a television show on the on the web, Martin. Like, is that gonna fly? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't. Is, I, I, I may surprise you weren't even like, what's a web series? Yeah, exactly. You know, back, like this is this is this is then. the kind of this is kind of the, the the kind of visionary I am. I was like, that's not gonna work. Like, wow. wait a second, television shows on your on the internet? That's not gonna work. Um, so I I he sent me this he sent me this pilot uh, web series called Sanctuary, mm. and I read it and loved it and and. Uh, and then I, I, I'd shot in Vancouver before, like a couple times. I did some movies here, um, and and really liked it. But I didn't have a, I didn't have an intimate relationship with with Vancouver at, 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 as of yet. And then I, I came up to shoot the web series of Sanctuary, and I met, you know, my very, very now very dear friends, Amanda Tapping and, and Damian Kindler, creator of the show, and. Um, and it, 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 I little did I know at that time this was going to become this this major chapter, rich chapter in my life. We shot this web series, and then I, you know, I went back to LA, and we didn't know what was going to happen, blah blah blah. And then it was like the call came in, hey, you know, it's going to go to television. Sci-fi picked this thing up, and then I came back up to Vancouver, and then. I, I just kind of stayed. I stayed for the entire run of the series. It was four, four and a half years. Yeah. And then, you know, stayed and f- fell in love with it. And then it became it became another home. Like one of the one of the wonderful things, one of the many wonderful things about this business is that y- you get to ha- hopefully you get to ha- discover new homes, m- multiple places that you feel at home and and um and that certainly was my my experience with vancouver i i I came here and i'm i met some of the most wonderful people who are who i'm very still very close with uh, to this day and and i felt at home here and i i really felt embraced by the industry here and uh and yeah so i it it was it's it was it's a lovely story but it all it all really was was um, it already started with Sanctuary. With Sanctuary, yeah. yeah. You know, I my first experience watching Sanctuary was um, the show had already wrapped. I was I was about to interview Amanda. I knew the interview was coming. This is like eight years ago, and I was in England over Christmas, and I watched all fifty six episodes like in a week. Fifty nine. Fifty nine. Thank you. Not to, yeah. <laughs> just just for just for the you know, just just for accuracy, yeah. but. I you know I was I was watching it in this like beachside 
Um, and this is December, mind you. So beachside England, like waves crashing outside, so stormy. And even though it's like it's not like explicitly set in Vancouver, it felt like such a love letter to Vancouver talent. You know, like it's it it and Absolutely. I I can only imagine wor- the experience of working on the show, not being from here originally. And you, you're stepping into like. Vancouver, like this is what the Vancouver film industry is. It's this show. Yes. It's this, and everybody was on that show. Everybody, and also it, it was a show that really, I don't know if "born out of" was is the is the correct terminology, but it, it it's it's really has a lot of of connective tissue to Stargate. Yeah, uh, a show that I'd never had anything to do with. But there were so many. I mean, obviously Amanda and 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 Damian and Marty. They, they all came out of that show, and 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 Peter Deloise worked on the yeah. show, and and I think Ryro must have been on the show, and and oh yeah, before everybody was on Sanctuary, yeah, everybody was on every, Stargate. Everybody was on Stargate, right? So it was it was this it was this community, um, like an like a like a offshoot community of of Stargate. And and then you have me coming in, who's just like I don't know, I don't know anything. I'm just a kind of a new guy. But I, I still, regardless, I felt immediately part of just part of this this wonderful family. And and uh, and yeah, I mean this the, the 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 wonderful wonderful actors that who were on that show and all those episodes and and directors. It was it was really it was really quite quite a special thing. And I want to say. The first show ever to jump from web to, to to to. I mean, I think I, so. I, think I know. I know it that was I have... so ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time in so many things, right? You yeah. know, ahead of its time in the like years, honestly, before people were watching web series. There was Sanctuary doing the thing. Yeah, you know, and uh, and then all of the the green screen and the environments that you know the CG environments that were yeah. created, like. Groundbreaking. I want to talk though a little bit more about. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about the community and we're talking about the groundbreak. Let's talk about the the story and the characters and what you got to do as Will that you hadn't had the chance to to do before. Like, what was it about? Like, t- talk me through the joys and the challenges of that particular role. I mean. Because he seems very different from you, in a lot of ways. He, yes, I, I, I think I think you're right. I, there, there is a. I actually think he he he's he's a, a facet of of Damien Kindler's personality. He Interesting. he's he's like I, I really feel I don't know that uh, that Damien and I have ever really discussed this, but um, really it he's he's a creation of of Damien's. And um, it was just such a it was just such a, a a wonderful but also challenging show because it was so groundbreaking, and because it was it was taking um, elements of history and 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 characters out of history, Nikola Tesla and and, and obviously uh, Jack the Ripper and and and. So taking these elements that are rooted in in, in reality and, 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 and history, turning them on their ear, uh, sort of twistery, t- telling it in a, in a different way, and just just the things that we were able to do on that show, the the creative uh, engine behind that show, Damien and, and, and the writers' room and, and and Martin and Amanda, the the, the way they set up that that series. 
I remember every every week we would go to the read through, and you'd just be like, I I don't know what's like what is coming like what there was this nervous excitement of like, oh my, and and. The originality of like, okay, this is how we're going to tell the story this week. This is where we're going to come from. Yeah, and every episode was slight, like that was like we're going to do a musical episode. We're going to do an episode that's just two people in the water. Oh man! And like, I was like, what? But they just did this other stressful episode where they're doing like it was. It must have been exciting. It was and also so dizzying. exhilarating. I mean, you you bring up Requiem, uh, which is the uh, which is the bottle show. Uh, Amanda and I uh, trapped in a submarine. So many things uh, I was able to do that I, I'd never uh, I'd never experienced in this business before. Uh, Requiem being one where we li- literally just shot in sequence because it was it was hmm. just the two of us in, in this trapped in this sinking submarine, and just so like a play. Almost. It was like a play. It yeah. was like doing a play, and I remember just kind of drifting in and out of the madness of it and 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 I don't mean madness in a negative sense I, I just mean like really just diving into this this thing and really giving over and there's also something really to be said about I know this 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 phrase gets used a lot when people are referring to 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 shows they work on but it it was really a family it was a it was a group of people who who trusted each other so implicitly and were so invested everybody was so uh 1000% invested in this show yeah. that we all just dove in and gave absolutely everything left everything um left everything on the field yeah. and and such a rewarding experience to just i remember that specifically um that episode of Requiem where I, I just, I, we, you know, we were in the water and I was kind of, I was f- kind of cold. But God, I, was, I was cold I was, watching I was, it. I was also, but I was also so into this zone and, and, and this intensity between the two characters. And I, I remember Marty just being like, okay, just like, okay, just, just breathe. Let's just, like, just stay with this, you know, and just kind of guiding us through that experience. Um, really just amazing, amazing. And, and, you know, um, like you mentioned, we had we did a musical episode. We did we did so many things. We did we did a uh, an episode where it was like this in, into the f- f- apocalyptic future. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you you did some Bollywood. We did Bollywood. God, I mean, I just you I stole some shots in Japan. Like. We went to Japan, which is funny. That just came up. I just it just popped up on my YouTube uh, uh, recently, uh, randomly. They because I there was a time where. They were. They gave me a camera, which is never uh, generally a good idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they gave, they they had they were going to do a Will Vision. So we so one season that season that we went to to Japan, they did Will Vision, where I would just shoot some stuff, and they would put included as part of the DVD box set. And I just remember looking at that us going to Japan. We were there for only like four days because we left the studio went there had to do some press and then we, Martin and, and Damien and Amanda decided hey well why, since we're here why don't we shoot some stuff we shot and then we got back on a plane and then we're back in Burnaby shooting four days later um, but just just really uh, cutting edge thinking yeah uh, and also you know uh, of course my first directing 
Yeah, really I was going to try to lead us into into that because yeah. you see to my eyes, and like yeah. yes, that's one thing that I could see you kind of sing, yeah. like like winking something to me, like <laughs> you know, you're doing like uh, Morse code with your eyes. Yeah, and you read that very well. No, but so that was, I mean, Amanda talks about you know working on Stargate, and that what really prepared her to direct was she went to Stargate University, and it was a lot of observing and and uh, is that a similar kind of experience what you had on on Sanctuary? You know, uh, learning, observing, and maybe even seeing, you know, somebody like Amanda, who is, you know, n- not only acting in the show, but involved in, in the on the creative side, you know, the behind the scenes creative side as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was a, it was a special experience for me because because we, I was so close with everyone. Um, I mean, I, I was my I, I didn't have any other official position other than being an actor on the show but because You're just it, an actor yes only an actor <laughs> just you know, stand stand on the tape say your lines uh but because because it was just such a different familial environment we were i was always up in the writers and hanging out and you know we were we were all kind of part of this this um the creation of the show so in that sense yes but um Nothing really prepares you uh, for directing until you just dive in yeah. and do it. And I, re- I remember, uh, I, I want to say it was season, was it season four or was it season three? I can't remember. But but there was some, some time had passed in the show. Um, you know, Marty obviously was the the main director of the show from from the outset. And then... Amanda was directing and because she was also a director and had had the experience on on Stargate and other things um and then Damien directed uh being the creator of the show was a natural natural progression for him oops I, I hit the mic uh damn it and then so then it it just c- kind of got to this point where you know the guys came to me and they were like okay so i mean it seems like it's you're it's like you're at bat here um wow so they were really supportive really they supportive and i rem- i remember too i mean it's 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 there's a lot of people that have to approve it um sci-fi obviously the networks all that stuff you have to go through all those channels and 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 it's very conceivable that the that the the people would hear like oh wait a second so you're talking about like the guy who's like you know uh up to all these ridiculous antics on the set and always doing ridiculous things and 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 you oh you want you want to put him you had a reputation yeah, you eh? you want him to helm the ship like no that's not happening um but I, but I remember you know they really went to bat for me and, and I remember you know Marty calling me and said okay so I, I spoke to um uh, the 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 powers that be at the networks and and you're this is it you're you're uh, you're approved and there's there's a there's a natural excitement but also nervousness about okay wow this is a big responsibility but there there's also an added there was an added thing for me in in that experience and that is that was that these are my best friends in the entire world mm. and i love this show so much and this crew and this cast i mean we are we are we are such such a tight group of people and we all because it because it the show was was this thing that was a fledgling thing that came together you know despite all the odds yeah. it gave us all a different perspective on it like no we we all were are relying on each other 
for yeah. for for this thing to succeed. So there was an added thing there where it was like I'm gonna over prepare and do so much work. First and foremost, yes, I want to do a good job and I want the show to be good and I want to I want to show that I can do this. But number one is I do not want to let my best friends in the world down. Like that, I that is not happening. God, in some ways that would seem like like. Yes, I'm going to direct on the on the show with my friends and my 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 family. That you would think that it would make you feel more relaxed and everything, and yet the stakes become even higher because you care so fucking much. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, how did you? <laughs> I know I'm pretty sure I know how you feel, but um, when you when you think about the end of Sanctuary, uh, and I I mean I still think that. It's a beautiful ending, you know, and I and I, I watched the series after it had all wrapped. So I'm like, oh, that is a that's a beautiful fit. It could have gone for longer, but that's a beautiful like it had a nice conclusion to it. But like when you think about the end, like what kind of feelings do you do you have? Are you do you get upset? Are you regretful? Are you are you happy? Like, can you look back now wistfully? You know, what are your feelings about it? Um, I it, th- th- there's there are many feelings. Uh, I, I, I'm not upset. Uh, it it was it was very difficult. Um, I think it really now that I now that I'm, I mean we're almost ten years away yeah. from it now. This is why I felt I could ask because there's yeah. a bit of distance there. There's been some distance, and and if I look back, if I'm brutally honest, it really took me oh a good eighteen months to really just kind of figure out okay what am i gonna what am i gonna do now yeah. uh what do i want it's not what am i going to do what do i want to do yeah uh it, it, there was a mourning period yeah um and however i feel very lucky in the sense that some shows they go on like they break for this they they break for the season they wrap the season and then in the off season, they just get a call. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, and I feel very lucky that, um, and I can't remember how it came about. I think I think it was just sort of foresight with with you know the 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 creative the the the, the, the holy trinity of of a Martin, Amanda, and Damien, just saying, okay, look, we don't because I don't I don't know that they knew it was going to be over. But so you guys didn't know when you were filming no, those episodes? No, but I think it was ones. like, look, if this is going to be over, if there's a possibility, yeah, then let's make sure that we can end it. Mm-hmm. And then if it's not, then we can continue, but at least we get closure. Yeah. Um, and I, f- I feel very lucky in that sense. Yeah. Um, and and you know, the fans are still so passionate. And like, I mean, I know that there's still calls to keep, to find a way to bring it back in some way. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I went down the rabbit hole. There's a lot of fan fiction and stuff yeah. as well. People are keeping it alive. Well, I mean, the and, burning and flame in their hearts. I, I had a dream, uh, a brief dream that uh, we could we could do movies. Yeah. And I remember approaching Damien and, and, and Martin and Amanda and saying, hey, look, you know, how, how would you feel if I, if I, tried to um put this in motion and just see where i get and then i got i got i got their blessing and and i i got you know some it it went down the road a little bit um didn't end up happening uh but yeah i i i i'm of two minds about it i i think yes it would be wonderful it would be wonderful to to revisit that um, and if that happened, I would certainly say, 
yeah, I mean, I would be, I would, I would be interested. But in this, in the same breath, I don't know. There's something also beautiful about going, hey, that's what that was, and that's kind of that's life. It's like the beauty of life is like wonderful things, wonderful things happen, and and but also everything ends. Yeah, and you you kind of let it there. So. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any possibility, but um, I'm just kind of, I'm trying to be like zen about it. And You're just, so zen. Yeah. Yeah. So, see, I mean, the mention me of the Holy Trinity, traffic. there was like all this beautiful light around you. It was it was really poetic. And now it's, bro- the poetry is broken. Someone's backing up. By the the whole, the whole angry Whole Foods drivers outside. I'm going to go get some kale after uh, this at Whole Foods. Actually, yeah. So, I mean, that's are. perfect timing. You can go get your kale. We're going to take a break. Okay. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk about Robin Dunn, filmmaker. Boring. Uh, and I want to talk about, uh, oh, let's see how you say that. I want to talk about your wedding. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, not boring. Not boring. Not boring no, at would, all. I would get in trouble if I did that. <laughs> yeah, would you would. As well. you, if I made that joke. You'd right get now. in trouble for me. Um, and, uh, and, and talk about, you know, the kind of the self-discovery that you had uh after you mourned Sanctuary, because you've been on quite a quite a little bit of a twisty journey <laughs> since then. I would yes. say, Mr. Dunn. All it's right. A, as Paul McCartney would say, it's a, it's been a long and winding road. Yeah, just like the first half of this episode. Yeah. All right, how's that for a cliffhanger? So good. We'll be right back. This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Al Miro Studios' hilarious web series, How to Make It in Hollywood When You Are Foreign AF. Subscribe and binge all the episodes at www.youtube.com slash Al Miro Studios. All right, Robin Dunn. What is a Robin Dunn project? Like, what, what are the kind of stories that you want to tell as an auteur of cinema? I don't know where that voice came from. I'll stop. Uh, I liked it. Okay. Um, oh, I'll I, keep it. I, uh... It's funny. I had I had a a manager uh, for for some time. I'm still friendly with him. But we don't work together anymore. But I remember him saying to me, I, I had written these uh, movies, kids movies called Roxy Hunter. It was like kid detective, and we made four of them. And I remember hit this. My manager saying, okay, "So this is your brand. Your brand is kids. So like this is what you got to do. Your brand. It was like this this terminology, the brand." And I, I was like, "I don't, I don't really understand." And and so I, I wrote something else. It was kind of like a, a a zany comedy. I brought it to him. And he's like, "No, no, no. This your your this is not your brand. What you got to." And and I remember I, I always think of that when when someone says, "Hey, so so what is what what is a project that you." Uh, what type of project would be my type of project? And I think this also kind of goes back to. Um, what we were talking about at, at going to Video Zone in Etobicoke at the video store. Oh, geez, because that was the same episode. That was, yeah, that, was, that feels like days ago. But <laughs> you know, in the, years. in the same way that, like, when I was a kid, and when I would, I would go, I would watch like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, and I would also watch like, you know, Goonies, and I would watch. Uh, I, I my my taste is is. Uh, across the horizon. I, yeah. I don't have a specific taste. I love westerns. I love everything. So when someone says like, "Hey, what what's what's your thing?" It's like, well, I I, I like everything. I, I like I like to make all kinds of that. When I make, uh, if you know, when someone someone came come to me and said, "Hey, can you make?" Uh, I I think I can raise money to make a talking dog movie. Uh, would you want to do that? I was like, absolutely, because I I'm I'm gonna make that movie. Uh, come from me you know what I mean so I have a follow up question okay. then 
So you don't like to have labels put on you. And there that's you fine. So as a storyteller, though, as a director, as a writer, when are you happiest? I think no matter what I'm doing, if I can tell stories that are honest and can resonate, I always, my happiest moment specifically directing, I always, I always. Which was the next question. Hey, keep your eyes on your own paper. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I can see through that screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, movies to me, movies and television, I'll put them all together. Really, they're, and, and this is something that you just kind of figure out as the more you do it. But what I've come to, to realize for myself is that movies really are about private moments, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when I'm directing an actor, I always want I always want to say hey look share with us something that's going on in your head like it is one thing to, to, to the performance and, and and the dialogue but really what what audience connects audiences connect with is when they can share a private moment with you mm. and and there's just something so satisfying about being behind that monitor and with your your, your earphones on and, and watching a performance and just really feeling like I'm not directing this movie. I'm actually just watching this performance. I'm, I'm an audience member. I mean, that, that to me, that, that is one of the most uh, magical things that you can do in this, in this business. It's, it's amazing. Um, we had Sarah fucking Canning. Sarah fucking Canning, yeah. Uh, I mean. In here uh, recently. Uh, and I know that you, you worked with her. Many times. Many times. Um, but on, specifically, we're going to talk about Welcome to Nowhere. Yes. Uh, what what she liked to work with. Like, what, what, what as a director uh, and as a scene partner, you know, what were the special qualities that Sarah fucking Canning, you know, brought to her work on that film? Well, I mean, Sarah is somebody who... Um, uh, she just really disappears into her work. And... Um, there's just something to be said for for working with your great friends. I mean, I I, I know I I touched on it uh, speaking about sanctuary, but this, the same thing applies for working with someone like Sarah. Um, you know, the other thing too is that um, I I have this I have this motto that I when I'm directing I always write hand write it out on, on a on a piece of paper and stick it up on whatever production office that we're working in. And um, it goes like this. There are two rules to directing. Number one, hire great actors. Number two, stay the fuck out of their way. Mm. And Sarah Canning, Sarah fucking Canning um, is is a perfect. Thank you for using her full name. Yeah. I want to get a cool name like that. Um, She is, she embodies that. It's like, hey, you, you give Sarah a script. If, if you're lucky enough to have her say, yeah, I'm, I, I want to be part of this film. It's like, you just, just stay the fuck out of her way and let her do, let her like, you know, she's, she's very, she's very open to, to direction, of course. But, um, you know, the, the, that, that likens back to my thing of just being behind the monitor and going, okay, man, this is just amazing. And, and, and when, when, a, when an actor brings something that, wow, you didn't even think of, or you didn't, it just surprises you in some way. Um, it's just it's just really rewarding. Then what is your role as the director? 
Be- beyond staying, like, you know, finding the great actors and staying out of their way. How do, how do you see your part in that process? Well, I'm, I'm a very, I do lots and lots of homework. I'm, I go overboard. And I think that comes out of, of my, my fear of, of letting everyone down on Sanctuary. But I, I over-prepare yeah. as much as possible. So I can create an environment where I'm like, look, um, I, always say, I always say to actors, uh, when we when we start a scene, I always say, let's have a talking before a blocking. And basically what I say to them is like, this is what's in my head. This is how I see it going. Uh, I think maybe you would come in from here. Maybe you guys sit here. But th- then you kind of have to get the, give it over, give the scene over to your actors. And, and if they say, well, this feels more natural, then 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 you let you have to let them do that. And, yeah. and that that goes back to hiring great actors because they know, hey, this is going to feel more natural for me. So. I think I think the best way to describe it is that you you create this environment, you create this safe environment, and you you do as much homework and much 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 research as possible of of how this story gets told, and then really you hand it over to to your actors and and just kind of like let them you know get in there and and, and do it. Yeah, um, you got married on a film set. Yes. You got married on that particular film set which I wrote I, and I will include a link to this in the footnotes for this episode but I wrote an article I interviewed you and Farah about uh, yes. about that so as I understand it you were engaged for a couple of years and then you w- just were you were both so busy with film and and uh, Farah's in film and also photography and you just decided to get married on the set of your film like tell me how the heck did that come about well yeah, so Farah, my wife, Farah Aviva, um, we'd met and we, we got engaged actually quite quickly. Uh, I think we got engaged within six months of knowing each other. Wow. But like you say, this business is, I don't know, I don't know where, where I'm going to be this afternoon. I don't know what, I, I can't, I can't plan a wedding f- for eight months from now. Are you out of your mind? I can't do that. So <laughs> we, we kept trying to figure out this thing, like, should we elope? And then I was like, well, no, I kind of want my friends around. I don't want to just. I, we want to celebrate. That's the whole point of having getting married is to celebrate it with your loved ones. So we kind of, you know, we tried a thing and then it would, something else would screw it up. And, oh, I now I have to go here and, oh, I got this job. And so we just didn't know how we were going to do this. And we were engaged for like, I think we were engaged for like two years, maybe more. And then during Welcome to Nowhere, uh, there's a scene in Welcome to Nowhere. Farah is in the movie as well. And there's a scene in Welcome to Nowhere where she gets married. Her character gets married. And we came up with this idea of like, you know, this is might be crazy, but why don't we shoot that wedding scene on a Friday? And so we'll have everything set up and, and everything. And then we'll invite everyone we know to be the extras in the scene. We'll shoot the scene from the movie. And then I'll just... We'll, we'll finish the scene and then I'll step in and we'll do a, a real wedding. Um, and and we did it. And it was, it was. So it might be crazy. And yet, I mean, you said you don't like talking brands and stuff, but so on brand for you guys. Well, totally. I mean, and the other thing, too, is that we had so we had a first AD. And, and I, I think uh, I think I 
inadvertently we we inadvertently created this this really good idea of like you know every wedding should have a first ad because the first ad was coming up to me going okay robin um all right um uh Farrah's grandma i'm putting her in this thing it was just so super organized because yeah. it's a film set and we have to get everything done and then also uh i had a professional film crew shoot my wedding oh your wedding video is probably lit it's amazing, and yeah. then, but then, so so then we had so what happened was we had the big wedding scene for the movie, yeah, and then we then we did our own wedding, but then I had another scene in the movie that I had to shoot, which is the reception of the wedding in the movie. Uh-huh. So basically, what I did was I just we shot the wedding scene, then I got married, Farrah and I got married, and then I just told everybody, okay, go to the tent, get drinks, play some music, like ever, and I told everyone at all the real guests at my real wedding go have the party and then I told the film crew okay just shoot the party mm. and then so there was like times where I like I would say to Sarah hey okay um, she'd be like talking to I don't know my mom or some people like you know as a guest at my wedding yeah. and then I'd say to Sarah okay hey listen uh, can you just go stand over there and then I- I- I'm gonna tell them to shoot us and we're gonna walk by and like so we would like shoot shoot a scene while it was like in the real real reception and then like while we were trying to shoot the scene some guest at the wedding who didn't realize that, that Sarah were and I working. were shooting a scene like it uh, my, uh, Damien uh, Kindler was there and he said insane, um, Robin he said it was like he Damien came up to me and he's like this is like this is like a, a like a Francis Ford Coppola movie like you're just shooting a party that's really happening it's like it just my mind is blown but were you like were you enjoying your wedding and the reception or were you in work mode like how did you balance that or did you it was no it was did it you was, did it feel like it was your it was phenomenal wedding? no it was it was yeah and totally. what about for like for your because I'm assuming that you have friends and family who don't work in the film and television industry like did it feel for them like a set or did it feel like a wedding or it just doesn't matter because it's just you and Farah and this is who you are and it, you live in these it, two worlds I don't think it matters I think everybody I think everyone got a kick out of it it was like it was kind of a novelty yeah and um so everybody's kind of like having fun and thinking i mean my my, my parents got into the got, you know got into the uh into that into the scene many times it was funny yeah um i think the one thing that farah said that was like kind of weird for her was that shooting the the real the shoot, shooting the, the the movie wedding the scene from the I'm confusing myself uh, shooting yeah, yeah this, I need a shoot, board shoot, bring shooting, the whiteboard yeah <laughs> shooting the, the scene from the movie that was the wedding yeah was weird because she walked down the aisle right so she already walked she'd down already the, walked down the aisle and then it was like okay we did we done the scene now she's gonna go back so her her walking down the aisle was really the second time because yeah. everyone saw, saw it already so at the reception were there moments where she had to dance with like movie spouse and like were you shooting her at, at the wedding at or at her reception holy shit yeah, I'm having a hard time I mean time. He, he, like the, uh, Maddie Finocchio yeah it was uh, your bud Maddie who was the, it was Maddie yeah, yeah. so I, I just had to get Maddie get to Farrah go, go dance with Farrah was shoot like it was just go make out yeah uh, at uh, my wedding reception just, but it's for the movie we're a bunch of weirdos in this You're business I'm telling you like it's, it's complete and total weirdos and you wrote your vows on the back of I think you each I think that was what Farrah said you each wrote your vows on the back of uh, sides yeah of sides yeah which totally is sides. With, and you didn't know that you were doing that but no. you know it's got to conserve paper on a I know yeah. wow that's um 
That's fucking amazing. It's cool. Um, I do. I want to make sure we hit all these like different. We're all out of order now. Uh, I don't think we spent enough time talking about um, Amanda. It's Amanda fucking Amanda motherfucking tapping. Um, Amanda motherfucking. Yeah. Vile person. Just awful. That's a lot of syllables. Mean and nasty. Uh, Amanda motherfucking tapping. That's nine syllables. That is a lot. There is a lot there. It's nine Um, syllables. Uh, but yeah, she's uh, something else. What did, what did you learn from that? Uh, pretty much the nicest human being I think I've ever met in my life. Uh, I, I learned so much. I learned like um, I mean we we, it's, we, we don't we wouldn't even have enough time to talk even ten percent of what I learned from Amanda. Um, I, well, think, to, I think what, number what, one. I think number one. What do you carry one. with you in your life now that you learned from her? Uh, I this is what I learned. Okay. The, the the most important thing I learned from Amanda tapping. Is that number one on the call sheet uh, has a very uh, has has two very very important responsibilities. Number one, obviously, um, is to carry the show. I mean, that's uh, that goes without saying. But number two, uh, just as important, maybe even more important, is you have the C on your sweater, and you have to set the tone for everybody Mm. and that's what Amanda did Amanda made that that experience for every single person who stepped on that set didn't matter who they were every single person had had a had a wonderful experience on that show yeah because your number one was was Amanda tapping and she yeah the name means something it it it, like the Amanda, like that evo- Amanda tapping, it evokes something. You know, her fans see it, and everybody's ever worked with her. Like honestly, if anybody ever says something that they don't like her, there's yeah, something insane. wrong. Like you're, you're yeah, insane. there's something wrong. It's like with them. it's like if someone says they don't like the Beatles, you're like, okay, something's wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, there is something. No, even some people can might not like the Beatles, but Amanda tapping, that's that's something different yeah. because of. I mean, she's the real deal. There's she's no the artifice deal. there. I remember very very early on, very early on in in the in the um, shooting of Sanctuary, there was something where um, we were. There was some interview that we they wanted Amanda for, and someone said, "Hey, well, maybe Robin, like maybe you guys can do it together. Like you, you do the interview together," and. I remember, I didn't know her very well at this point. This is very, very early days. And I, I said, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, I've, absolutely. What I, I'll do anything anyone asks me, asks of me. But let me just go talk to Amanda first because I, I just didn't want to be the, you know, the kind of actor who's like elbowing in on, you know, the, the, the star of the show's stuff. You know, I yeah. mean, it's, the, sh- the show was in, in existence largely because of Amanda and her, and her, reputation and her and her stardom right yeah. queen of sci-fi the grand empress the grand empress of sci-fi i called Forgive her me. the queen early on and i was corrected yes the title yeah. is important the grand empress the grand empress and i remember i knocked on her door and i said hey look um they wanted me to come to the and the one of the things about amanda too is was she was always so wonderful with me she was like always included me hey you're, you're coming you're you're doing this you're doing this with me she was never she was so selfless about um, the show and 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 her the the spotlight that was on her. She was always always willing to share. It. She 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 demanded it be shared with everyone, which yeah. which is which is really wonderful. But I remember I knocked on her door and I said, "Hey, look, they want me to come do this interview, 
uh, that you, that they want you to do. But I said, I don't like I, I, I if you want to do it by yourself. And she was like, no, 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 no. I, I want I, I want you to come and let's 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 do this interview together. And I said, OK, sure. And then I, I, I just took a moment. I said, look, Amanda, we're starting this venture together. And I just want you to know one thing. I understand that you're Bono. I'm the edge and I'm cool with that. But I will never, ever mistake the fact that you are Bono, right? And and I think she really appreciated that because it was a perfect metaphor of like, I get it. Like, you're you're the front man. You're, you're the thing. And I'm perfectly happy being the edge. Um, and it's funny, years later uh, for my birthday, she gave me a, a, a framed photo of Bono and the edge and it was kind of a cute little thing. <laughs> so, yeah. I love is, her. This is a very unfair question. That's my show. I can't wait. Master. From Sanctuary, who was your favorite scene partner? I made such a coy face now. Um, Cause, I mean, because you had some big deal scene partners. Pascal. I love Pascal. You I mean, have I, Ryro. Ry, yeah, Ryro was so funny. I mean, hey, it all. Um, yeah. I can't. Jonathan Young. Oh, no, but you have to pick one. I you gotta, have to. I got to go with, with Bono. With Bono, yeah. <laughs> Man Tap. I used to call her Man Tap, which she, I think she hates that name. But yeah, that's awful. It's a terrible nickname. That's but a really I, bad. Amanda Motherfucking Tapping. Man Tap. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think it's I, your it's, special name okay. for her. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun to see you uh, pop up uh, as a uh, the as I what did I describe him as the hapless uh, deputy uh, Woody Markham. Very a role that came very very natural. Yeah. <laughs> Hap, haplessness is. Exactly how I, uh, you know, I mean, when people think of haplessness, they think, especially Damien, he was like, yeah, no, that was fun. <laughs> it, and again, it was just like a, a, a favor for Damien and, and uh, a blast to do. And, yeah. yeah. And so how would you, like if, so did we ever get out of the Wayback Machine? I, I don't think we did. Hmm. Um, so let's, let's pull it back to, uh, maybe let's go to you in high school at, 9.45 a.m. On, on that September day when you when you walked out of class. You've already talked to your dad. You've go, gone through the star. There's nothing there for you to read. So I don't know. You're standing on your porch. And, and we drive up in the DeLorean. And you hop out. And you have one minute to give yourself some advice, some, some words from the future. Uh, what would you say to yourself? Or would you not say anything at all? Because that's an option, too. I would say you're on the right track. Don't doubt you're on the right track, and yeah. I, you know, and I still would try to try to remind myself because it, there's, the, we, we're all human. We all have doubts, and and I have them every day. But you know, you always got to tell yourself your gut is always right. Yeah, your gut. You know, your your brain is like the Senate. Your brain has like it's this cacophony of voices and Mister Speaker and blah blah. blah. Your brain can be such an asshole. Yeah, honestly. but it it also has like or my it's, brain. It's trying, to, it's trying to protect you. It's trying to th think, f you know, th over overthink things. Your gut only knows two words: yes or no, and it never explains itself. Mm. And if you can train yourself to just trust, yes, listen to it, or no, listen to it, you'll never be steered wrong. Yeah. Have you had experiences where you didn't listen to your gut? Oh yeah, daily, yeah. daily, yeah. And they never, they never turn out. They As never well. turn out. Yeah. Um, what about what the fuck moments? 
Like, do you ever have those moments? Do you still have? I'm assuming early on we have a lot of them when we're trying new things, right? Wow, what the fuck? This is actually my life. But what about now? Like, when do you have those? What the fuck? This is actually my life. I've had to practice how I say that because some people are like, wait, what do you mean? Like, what the fuck? This is actually my life. It's a positive. Well, I mean, I, I feel like when I'm when I'm on a set, uh, you know, because I'm doing a lot of directing lately, and and just to be in that zone, and and uh, there's there's there there still is like a, a nervousness about directing because it's it's a large responsibility. But the more you do it, the more the less terror it is, and the more kind of nervous excitement it, um, it is. And yeah, there are times where I'm like, wow, this I, I'm I'm actually really doing this. I'm making, you know, it's it's one it's a ama- it's an amazing thing to to see, especially if you write something. If you if you if you if you see something that was like words on a page or words no, there's no pages anymore. Words on on your computer screen. Hey, no, you wrote your vows on a side. That I was did, a page. Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, if you see if you, if there's like dialogue that you're typing into a into a, into a writing program, and then you're standing behind a monitor however amount of time later and you see you know some some of your favorite actors Sarah um, fucking Sarah Canning, Sarah Canning saying that it, it, that's a, that's a what the fuck moment it's like wow that's 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 mind blowing i that's like it just this came from nothing and now it's something yeah well this conversation when i look back on it when i listen to this I, I will be I will be remembering the what the fuck moment I'm having right now. Yes. We finally did this. And you know, there's the beeping. So there's that's, that fucking well, and there wait. were no fart construction sounds. Wait a second, but that's also like a good sign too, is like don't don't back up. Yeah. Just go forward in life. Just I had no forward. idea that there was some some poetry, some or oral. Oral? A U R A L? Oral. Oral. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those words like buoy. Buoy? Makes it sound like you're drunk. Yeah, like I know how to type it, yeah. and I, but like, like when ju- I try to say like it, ju- I sound like a. Judicial. F- you, yeah. can't say, you can't say that. Ju- ju- say. No, judicial. I can't either. Goddamn Robin motherfucking done. Robin motherfucking done. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. It has been a wonderful pleasure. I, I, I appreciate that you've invited me into your. Uh, your enclave here and into and my, I, I, to my this is my, my this is my space yes, no there was some sense there so, i mean i'm gonna have to go back and and, there, yeah. and uh, draw a map so much to try editing. to figure it out no no editing no editing um where can our fans find you on the social media oh uh yes i am on uh my name at twitter robin dunn at twitter uh, are you asking me? I, I, I'm trying to think of it because I, I spend very little time. But uh, and then there's there's Robin Dunn on Instagram. Yeah. Do you have a preference between Twitter and Instagram? Because I'm uh, loving the gram these days. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of find like Instagram's like flipping channels on TV. Just kind of, fl- and I find it's like, why am I flipping? Why am I looking at this? Do you still watch TV and flip channels? On Only TV? when I'm in a hotel. When yeah. I go, when, yes! I, when I'm on location, because I, I don't really have cable anywhere I live. But when I'm in a hotel, I just it's like this mesmerizing where I flip and flip and flip. Um, and you're waiting. I'm like, if I'm in a, it's like going to the video store. It's a throwback. Yeah. Yeah. I also have an embarrassing admission that my I have the I have some very good friends who recently, um, uh, against my better judgment, uh, convinced me to put myself on something called TikTok. <laughs> so I'm. I made one post and I haven't been there since. So I love that you're like something you, called. You sound 95 I, years old. I am 95. I'm wow. 95. I have a nine-year-old. I am all about yeah. 
well, hearing I'm, I'm about how somewhere. I don't understand TikTok at all. You did a post on TikTok, really? One, yeah. It's, okay, it's, well, I, I I am going to follow you. Please. Subscribe to your... Is it following or... See, I don't even know the word about TikTok. Know. I'll I have... Oh! Need- I just want to tell my listeners. So, if you are a Patreon subscriber, uh, you can pop over to Patreon and listen to uh, Robin uh, talking about uh, his favorite things with uh, probably the most cutthroat interviewer that I know, uh, my nine-year-old daughter, Mariana. So I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. All right. So, to you, our fans, I thank you for joining us today. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. Oh, and the podcast podcast voice is coming back you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com you can follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at yvr screen scene the yvr screen scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me sabrina Furminger, and it's produced and edited by simon Furminger. special thanks to mariana Furminger for recording our patreon ad and to tyson braddock and paul Furminger. we are a family business uh, for technical support and to dane not Furminger, devilay for the original music yvr screen scene is a division of fish flight entertainment join us next time for another deep dive a very deep dive into vancouver's dynamic film and television scene and cut